0: G'day guys, welcome back to the Rugby League Guru Podcast. We put up in our Instagram page the other day for you guys to send in whatever questions you want and we would dive into them. We're going to answer a couple of them today. I've got four questions, two of them sort of related to the Penrith Panthers. I thought we'd dive into that off the bat because obviously Penrith, very relatable at the moment, winning their second premiership on the trot in their third grand final in a row the other night. Unbelievable stuff. I'll take you through the questions now. We'll have a few more of these over the next few days and tomorrow uh, we're going to hopefully get up and watch a bit of the World Cup trials uh, that'll be on just before you guys are listening to this, especially the Kiwis. Very keen to see how they go. The great Thomas Lulawai uh, playing halfback in that one, the captain of that Kiwi side. What an unbelievable fucking career. We might touch on that tomorrow. But the questions we're going to have a look into today. The first one comes from Kalen Gibb. Who steps into Kikau's left edge spot? I'd love to see Isaac Tungo just slowly transition there. Our next question is from Clint Mack. Will Penrith's defence still be the same without Serralto, or do they keep going strong? A really interesting topic to touch on. From Omar If you had to change one thing in the NRL to make it better, what would it be? I've got an idea for that. And Tony G sent in a really good one that's sort of uh, not, it's rugby league related, obviously, but more sort of content. Do you ever get rugby league fatigue? Which is an interesting one, I haven't really spoken about before four. We will get into those four questions. Let's kick off with the Penrith Panthers questions, though. Obviously winning uh, back-to-back premierships, three grand finals in a row. Incredible stuff. They are losing Apicura They are losing Viliami Kikau this year. Uh, they're also losing Cam Seraldo from their coaching staff, so that will have an impact. Uh, they're also losing, you know, Sean O'Sullivan, their backup halfback. Uh, their next best halfback at the club, in my opinion, the young Isaiah Katoa, also leaving. So they will go into the market and find a half to to be a replacement I assume I know that they have uh, reached out to a couple of other halfbacks already who have turned them down so it will be interesting to see who they come up with there the Penrith Panthers but there will be a lot of tests our first question comes from Kalen Gibb who steps into Kikau's left edge spot I'd love to see Isaac Tungo slowly transition there as you guys know, we've been a huge fan of Isaac. We spoke about him in the pre-season, said he would be an absolute weapon. Uh, we said that if he would have played less than four games last year, he would have been our Rookie of the Year for 2022. And I, to be honest with you, I think he probably would have won it. I thought he had an incredible season. Nano was fantastic as well. But when you take taking into consideration, Isaac obviously won a premiership and whatnot. Um, and I, I think he just became so consistent Uh, that we took for granted what he was doing all year. He was incredible this year, Isaac Tungo. He probably didn't have the absolute highs of Jeremiah Nanai, but for me, he didn't have the flaws. Now, granted, Nanai, he went on to play State of Origin and whatnot, so probably fair enough that he maybe would have got Rookie of the Year, but I really do think Isaac Tungo could have really given him a shake, and I think that if he was in contention for that award all year, we would have spoken more about him. He is a guy that can play center and back row. He can play in both roles. Personally... I think center is his spot for the first few years of his career. I think he will beef up a little bit more as his career goes on, but I think center is his spot, especially with Taylor and May outside him. I understand the appeal of moving Tungo in there, but I would be waiting probably five or six years. I think his career, um, who will it be like? Probably like a Lukey Lewis, but I don't think he'll shift in close enough to play six and seven, obviously. I think he'll be a really, really good center. He could play on the wing as well at the moment, but I think as he gets a little bit older, defense really strong, very good ball runner. I think eventually you'll see him move into the back row. He already runs some of the best back row lines, but playing as a centre, which you've seen this year as well, especially the way that Kikau folds out the back of him. Uh, He's an absolute genius at that sort of stuff. Isaiah Tungo, a little kicking game as well. Uh, He's a better ball player than what he's actually shown you this year as well. He's got a few more strings to his bow uh, that I've seen over watching him the last few years. Really good kid as well. Uh, I really do like everything about him. He's tasted early success. And I think the fact that he couldn't win Rookie of the Year, I think it sort of kept the spotlight off him a little bit. I think people just got used to what he was doing throughout the entire year. Taylor May, he scored a lot of tries off the back of what Isaac Tungo was doing. But I personally think when you go back and watch the of Panthers season, all of the tries that Taylor May scores, the big plays that kick out has, you have a look at the line and the little role that Isaac Tungo plays in each and every one of them. It's pretty crazy. I also mentioned on Beers and Break Evans this year, he scored about nine tries in the first uh, 10 or 12 weeks uh, that were taken off off him when they went upstairs. So his numbers could have absolutely exploded as well. So Isaac Tungo, I think he stays at centre for a little bit. Viliami Kikau, they lose him. I think it's going to be a massive test for Jerome Luai. Huge season coming for Jerome Luai. They'll have a new rookie hooker in there. Mitch Kenny, not a rookie obviously, but not at the level of Api Kurosawa. So it'll put a lot more pressure on Nathan Cleary and Jerome Luai. Jerome Luai loses his partner in crime, Viliami Kikau, who has sort of played as a second fiddle 5'8 for the last year. The year before that, Maddie. Burton. He played as a second fiddle 5'8", so it'll really test Jerome Luai, and we'll see what he's about once again. He's obviously coming into this season after a heap of controversy as well, and there will be a lot of heat on Jerome Luai next season. I'm really looking forward to seeing how he handles that challenge and how he responds to it as well. But the Panthers' left edge, it will change quite a bit without Viliami out I think that he turned into one of, the most, um, one of the most well-rounded players in our game. He's obviously the biggest on the field. He can run over the top of you. He added a kicking game uh, to his game this year. We also added some of the most subtle hands in rugby league this season. So a big loss for the Penrith Panthers. The two guys that I see replacing Viliami Kiko on that left edge, the first one is Zach Hoskins from the Brisbane Broncos. An absolute workhorse. Really good running game as well. Runs good lines. Solid defender. Ticks all the boxes that you want. Just doesn't have as much experience in his game. But I think he's a guy that will really, really push for that position. Very different to that of Aviliami kickout. I don't think he has the attacking upside. I don't think he has anywhere near the attacking upside from the limited footy that I have seen of him. The other one is Luke Garner, who I probably think will win that role. Obviously, he's been playing for the Tigers the last few years. I think he's been underutilized there. He's, he's a guy that reminds me of... He reminds me of Adam Elliott at the start of the year. We spoke about him a lot. We said this guy has been underutilized his entire fucking career. He's been shifted to the middle, stuck on different edges, center poking around all over the place. You need to make him a full-time back rower. Give him an edge. Give him a 5'8 and a center pairing to get used to, and he will flourish. And I think he's in for a big season at the Penrith Panthers next year. Luke Garner runs one of the best lines in rugby league. So I do think you'll start to see the Penrith Panthers play a more traditional, more orthodox sort of looking uh, rugby league on that left edge. I'll probably do it better than anyone else but it will look a little bit different because I don't think Garner has those same abilities just saw kick out produce. I do think you might start to see a little bit more of Dylan Edwards down that left edge. He normally stays away from there. I think that once they add a back rower who runs a bit more of a, who plays a bit more of an orthodox role when it comes to back rowers unlike kick out, I think you'll see the fullback become more and more involved and I do think it's a huge win for Isaac Tunger. I think he's going to have a massive second season in the NRL off the back of no longer being the decoy guy. He's going to be the main guy getting the pill out the back, and I think you're going to see the full bag of his tricks. So in answer to your question, who do I see replacing Villiama Kickout? I think it will be Luke Garner from the West Tigers. I think he's going to have a really, really good season there. Next question comes from Clint Mack. Will Penrith's defense still be the same without Serraldo, or do they keep going strong? Really interesting one. We look back at when they won that comp a few years ago, or when they were right up there and their attack was flourishing. Trent Barrow left and everyone went, well, he was the guy that was running the attack, they're kind of fucked now. Uh, The complete opposite happened. If anything, they potentially got better over time. Serraldo leaving, he's the guy that every team wants as their head coach. It was similar to Trent Barrett a couple of years ago. A lot of teams lining up to get the next guy out of Penrith. Serraldo, very similar situation. Will it be the same outcome? I don't think so. I do think Serraldo will be successful. Funnily enough, he's gone to Canterbury where Trent Barrett landed. So hopefully, we don't get a repeat of what happened with Trent Barrett. I think losing Cameron Serraldo, it will hurt the Penrith Panthers. There's no doubt about that whatsoever, but personally... I think this team, defensively, they are such a fucking unit. It's not even funny. Losing Serraldo into also losing Apicurosa. I think that is going to hurt them defensively. It's going to be a big test. But Mitch Kenny comes in, uh, and he is one of the great defenders in our competition. So I think they will be okay. They'll miss Serraldo. There's no doubt about it. But personally, I think this system is so good, and it is just a d- defense at the end of the day. It's an old cliche, but it's 100% true, whether you're looking at rugby league in the 70s, 80s, 90s, today, yesterday, whatever it might be, defense is an attitude and the Penrith Panthers they've got it worked out down to a T. tee is the other one they will miss on that edge for example you saw in that uh, game against South Sydney the prelim final the way that he went after Campbell Graham big imposing body like Viliam and kickout very very hard to replace especially in defence teams don't want to run at him because he will come out and he will absolutely fucking whack he will throw everything into it so they will their, their de- defence will struggle a little bit more on that edge as well I think teams will be happy to go at them I think your back rowers your centres will be more than happy to take that sort to hit up that's not taking anything away from obviously Luke Garner or Zak whoever it might be but they are no Viliami out they're not that imposing massive body there's not many of them in rugby league this is why out he's obviously been headhunted by another club in the Canterbury Bulldogs Cameron Serrano though he will be a big loss there's no doubt about it it will be interesting to see how the Penrith Panthers respond but personally I think they're too much of a good system and I think their defence has been so good for so long that I really don't see it falling apart I'm not quite sure who's taking over there but I think the world that Serraldo has done, the blueprint that he has laid for this Penrith Panthers side. I personally think they will be okay without him. Next one comes from Omar. If you had to change one thing uh, in the NRL to make it better, what would it be? I was speaking about this in the past, and I still stand by it. Personally, I think we need to change the um, the seven-tackle set rule when you kick it dead. Personally, I think that if you put it in a kick from the 20-meter line to the try line, so what I call the red zone, I personally think if that ball goes dead, it shouldn't be a seven-tackle set. It should be a 20-meter tap, but I think it just should be a six-tackle set. Personally, I think we're punishing two teams too much for a attacking kicks. Now, that rule was brought in because teams were getting it on halfway and just whacking it dead to stop your Billy Slaters, your Jared Haynes, all these sort of guys, Tom Travojevic from being able to return the ball, which I understand we don't want that. It creates very negative rugby league. We saw Jamie Soward execute it perfectly uh, for the Dragons and the Penrith Panthers years ago. I think that we keep that in, but I think that if you're doing that from 20 metres out, it's essentially a bomb. It's, it's a contest for it. I don't think teams are going to be doing that when they're that close. And when you're within the 20 metre line, personally, I want to tell kicks. I look back to, and you know, a moment that I'll never forget, and I always talk about this this example is when I was at the two thousand and thirteen grand final, the moment I'll never forget is James Maloney putting in a perfect grubber that sat up a meter before the dead ball line. Michael Jennings flying through the air, Superman putting it down. Incredible moment. We don't see enough of those. You see, every single time a player dives over the dead ball line and, and flicks the ball back into the field, it goes huge on Twitter, Instagram, it's all over the place, and it's great for our game. You look at Greg Inglis, and centenary test dives over the dead ball line flicks it back over his head incredible scenes we don't see enough of it in rugby league and it's simply because halves are too scared to kick near the dead ball line now back in the day that used to be an art getting as close to the dead ball line as you could but making it stay in the field of play and you look at the way that for example Nathan Cleary the way that he kicks a football now with that bend on it now guys have been doing this for a long time but, it, but from what I've noticed it seems to be easier to do it now than what it ever has been because of the design of the football it's designed To move in that way now. They're all made on computers and whatnot. And you watch guys at training when I've been there and watched, you know, Adam Reynolds at South Sydney and the way that he's able to control a ball to curve along the dead ball line. But at the moment, if you get it half a metre wrong, all of a sudden you're defending on your own 20 metre line 45 seconds later and it's just fucking ridiculous. I think they need to change that rule. I also think that when you get to golden point an extra time or maybe just in the last five minutes of a contest, if you take a shot at field goal, it shouldn't be a seven tackle set. I think it's just way too costly. You get to golden point, a team can win momentum the entire time, take a shot at goal and miss, miss by half a metre and all of a sudden the team that should be just getting six tackles from the 20 metre line, they're getting seven and you will one. 100% get in field goal range with a seven tackle set. I think that is one thing that needs to change, especially now that you've got these two-point field goals. It is just ridiculous that if you can take a shot at field goal, it can go for a seven-tackle set after that. I just think the punishment, it outweighs the crime. I think it is something that we need to change. Will teams try and take advantage by just kicking field goals whenever they want? If they go dead, they go dead. Potentially, uh, you would have to assume that teams probably will eventually. Maybe you change it to just the last five minutes of each game. So the last five minutes of each game, that rule comes in that from that point on, field goals, if you're going for, them, fair enough, it'll only be a a, a six tackle set, but for me, I think you need to at least change that 20 metre, that red zone um, attacking opportunity, because you're seeing teams now, they're happy just to get tackled in the corner and turn the ball over there for me We're in the entertainment business. We want to see exciting football. You want teams to be kicking. There's nothing more exciting than when teams score tries off kicks. Everyone loves a try of a kick. It's unreal to see. You love watching it. Look at what Jeremiah Nano did this year. We spoke about it every single week, and we all got so excited. Every time the North Queensland Cowboys kicked it to the right-hand side of the field, where's Jeremiah Nano? Where is he going to pop up? What's he going to do? And he consistently did it time and time again for me. I think it is something that we need to change. That would be what I would change at the game. It might only be a subtle thing. It's not a massive thing like your, uh, your, your, your six again rulings and all this sort of stuff. But I do think it would make our game more entertaining. Tries off kicks, very entertaining. You want you want your best attacking players like your Nathan Clear your Adam Reynolds these sort of guys to be putting in attacking kicks when you look at a guy like Adam Reynolds some of the highlights he came up with this year with kicks to Selwyn Cobbo were some of the best moments in rugby league this season but a guy that's maybe got a little bit less of a skill set than Adam Reynolds which is just about every player in this competition for for them to do that it's way too risky you cannot risk because if you get it just slightly wrong it's a 7 tackle second then all of a sudden you're defending on your own 20 metre line 45 seconds later the momentum of the game is completely changed. It might not sound like much, but that seven tackle set, that one extra tackle, it can make a huge, huge difference in our game. And if you watch it all the time and you understand rugby league, you'll understand what I'm talking about there. I just think the punishment, it outweighs the crime and it means that it takes away from really exciting attacking footy. If it's just in the strike zone, it means that teams aren't just kicking the ball dead for the sake of it so that good fullbacks can't return the ball. So that would be my change that I would make. Fantastic question, Omar. Absolutely love it. Our next one Tony says, "Do you ever get rugby league fatigue?" It's an interesting question. Obviously, uh, myself, Kempi, y- YKTR Sports Boys, like we we put out so much content. We talk about footy so much that yeah, rugby league fatigue. It is a definite thing. I know that like Roasty uh, gets the same sort of thing. I've spoken to a lot of content creators about this sort of stuff, and it definitely is a thing. Well, I sort of had it uh, the week last week. Actually, after grand final, I went down the coast for a couple of days. Took all my podcasts and all my gear with me to create content down there, and just got down there and went, you know what? Fuck it. I'm Going to have two days here. I'm just not even going to think about rugby league. I love the game more than anyone. Just live it and breathe it. But there are times where definitely you need a bit of time off just because content fatigue, it does sort of get to you. Uh, Rugby league fatigue gets to you as well. It is such an intense game with so much happening all the time, so much to keep up with. I took like two or three days off and I'm honestly sitting here going, fuck, on Monday, I've got so much to talk about. It is not even funny. Those two or three days I took off, there was huge re-signings. Cameron Munster re-signed. Sean Lane re-signed. You had guys who are now, you know, going to be out of the game for a period of time. There has just been so much that has happened. Wayne Bennett has come out and made comments about Cam Munster. So much to dive into with the World Cup on now, ready to revamp and go again. Had a couple of days off there, which I really did enjoy. But yeah, rugby league fatigue, it definitely is a thing, mate. It does tire you. Content fatigue as well. Uh, It's something that I never probably anticipated when I got into it, and it is weird. And maybe, I don't know, maybe um, it's a bit soft, some might call it. But you do get into, you know, this routine of making all this content all the time, and then sometimes... Times you just get to the point where you're like, fuck, I just can't do any more right now. You get a bit of a mental block and you just can't think of anything to even talk about or whatever it might be. But then I came back from having a couple of days off and I feel refreshed, ready to go, ready to talk about. It. I feel i like got a new, new bounce in my step heading over the next few weeks of the Rugby League World Cup, which is going to be sensational. Uh, we have got some new content that's hopefully coming on YouTube over the next few weeks that I think you guys are really, really going to enjoy. But yeah, content fatigue, rugby league fatigue, it definitely is a thing. Still love the game. Love my job more than anything. I'm incredibly blessed to be where I am. But sometimes, mate, you definitely do need a couple of days off like anything uh, just to refresh and get yourself going. Now, of course, I'm very lucky I'm not out there you know, digging holes. I used to be a teacher. I know how fucking hard teachers work. It's an absolute nightmare. My life is nothing like that. My job is nothing like that. But sometimes you do get content fatigue and rugby league fatigue. There is no doubt about it. Uh, But not complaining in any way, shape or form. Very, very lucky to be doing what I'm doing. And uh, there's a lot of people out there working 10 times, a million times fucking harder than me. So no complaints, but a good question. It's probably something that people don't think about when you're sitting on the other side of content or whatever it might be and receiving it. But, uh, you know, when you have to sit and watch over the weekend, eight games of footy, some of them you watch twice, I probably watch 10 games of footy per weekend. You get to the end of the season where you've watched 25 straight weeks of 10 games uh, per week. It can get pretty exhausting. So really good question. Uh, Probably something that a lot of you probably wouldn't have thought of before or whatever. But yeah, just being honest with you, Rugby league fatigue, content fatigue, it is a thing. It does happen. Uh, But as I said, very blessed to be where I am. Fantastic question from Toddy G there. We have got some trials that would be on as you guys are listening to this, if you're listening on Sunday morning or that have just finished a couple of hours ago. So we will jump on the podcast a little bit later this morning and talk about some of those trials. It will be interesting to see how Tonga goes, for example. I think Lebanon's got a game. And, of course, the Kiwis as well, who haven't put out their absolute full-strength side, but it is a pretty good side that I'm looking forward to talking about a little bit later today so stay tuned uh today on the rugby league guru podcast we'll have a quick review and touch on some of the trials that occurred this morning over there in london hi i'm daniel founder of pretty litter